you know me at all, you know that death is my bread mm -hmm. and danger my butter. Oh, no, danger is my bread and death is my butter. No, no, wait. Danger is my bread. Death, no, death. No, I'm sorry. Death is my, death and danger are my various breads and, and various butters. Mm -hmm. Are we good? Oh, it's closing the door. Okay, close the door. <clears throat> door is closed. Welcome. This is episode forty-five. Episode forty-five. Uh, we're back. We've got Ben Cohen. We've got our producer Renan Dinser, and we've got me, Simon Tonev. You're not gonna do the nickname thing. I don't know if the nicknames work last time. Well, they didn't. I said on air they did not work. Well, but I didn't think that would stop you. I didn't have time to come up with other nicknames. Do you want to say the word of the day? Why don't you explain the game and I'll, I'll fill in the word of the day. The game is, so we can get some student listeners, the word, if you hear us say it, students need to take a drink. So as soon as we say that word, students, you're going to take a shot, right? I think students are into that. So this is where I say the word? Yeah. But wait, but I want to say don't take a shot at this word. It's only oh, this after is, this. Yeah, after. this is the announcement word. This is like time zero. Mm -hmm. You have to wait till the first time. Yep. The word is mellifluous. Mellifluous. No, not me saying it. I'm just repeating what Ben said. <laughs> you just screwed it up. No, two shots. no, we're, we're good now. After this point, it's the word that Ben just said. Would you like to introduce our guest? Yeah, we have a guest today. Uh, in studio guest. In studio guest. First time. In, in a long time. In first a time, long time. In a long time. Yeah. Because of the hiatus. Mm -hmm. In studio, Professor Nestor <laughs> Heel. Yes. From the art department. He is an assistant professor of art and of bread. Nestor works at Williams Visual Arts Building, the WVAB, the, the WVAB. Nestor's an artist. Nestor gives bread to people. We have bread right now. Bread in studio. Nestor, when did you start making bread? What, what, when did it become your passion? I started making bread in 2010 because I was sad about some things that had to do with art. It's ridiculous. I'll tell the whole story very quickly. I'd been doing art out of pocket for 20 years and having a really lovely time and then I was doing art as a professional for about a year and I was sad and it, I didn't get it and uh, I was struggling to figure out how to be a professional at that. And someone I knew was making bread and it looked like a lot of great process without any of this uh, pressure that had to do with making things and so I thought, oh, I'll try it and I did and I made some really bad bread. And then my uh, children, being very wise, went to the store and bought me a book. I thought, you, I thought they were gonna, you said they were going to buy you bread and just uh, said, just eat no. this. Or, they always yeah. begged for the Did one. Did they buy you a bread maker? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've since figured out how to do visual art and be a professional at it and not be sad. I think it was just mm -hmm. transitioning from a place where I felt very free and loose about what I was doing to a place where I had to think a lot harder about some of the... Uh, ways that you put what you're doing out into the world. Mm -hmm. I was just struggling to figure that out. And then I figured it out, and I've been having a lovely time ever since. Well, that's good. We but like I've to hear that. continued making bread. I'm okay. struck by the contrast of your claim about thinking about what you put out into the world. It sounds as if it comes with a degree of effort and thoughtfulness, which is somewhat contrary to what Simon's been doing with the podcast. Would you say with forethought? Oh, yeah. No forethought or effort. No. Or concern for what you're putting out into the world? Definitely not. And, and I'm... I'm not sad about it. No. So there's that. 
this feels a lot like blue collar work that I've done in my life. Absolutely. It, it, it rings exactly as yeah. labor. We're trying to get Renan to install a steam whistle in the studio and right. a punch, punch card machine, but he won't yes. do it. To me, this sets up probably the more important question. We wanted to debrief on this week's quiz. This week's quiz with Nestor here, I think, is pretty straightforward. What is the best color? We're waiting. You want me to just tell you the answer? I, I, you don't want to you guess? Can, but it, how is it a quiz, then, if well, the answer is just given well, by someone who knows the answer? No, we'll tell you if you're right. We, we know the answer. It's okay, then, for me to just say it out loud. You, want, you could say it under your breath and see if the well, mic no, catches I, it. I, it's, the truth needs to ring clear. Uh, the best color is pink. Incorrect. No, the best no. color is blue. Uh, <laughs> the best color is Kelly Green. Renan thinks the best color is black, as in a Sharpie black. Oh, Renan. It spray paints snow in the winter time. Me and my roommate had a great idea of doing this social work, you know, like this politically opinionated thing of yeah. getting black, black spray paint, and during the winter, when the whole campus is white, covered with snow, we would paint diversity on the snow. But then that never happened, and uh, there was a small mark next to our house that nobody saw. And that's the whole uh, thing. Well, now we know about it. What, what were you hoping, what kind of reaction were you hoping to get if you had actually followed through? I mean, we weren't really thinking of, like, telling people that we did it, I guess. Because, you know, emails would be sent out, and people would be angry, I guess. People would be angry because someone had spray-painted the snow? Yeah, because, like, you know diversity, white-black relations, whatever. But you were... Is that even, like, politically correct? You know, all of this is not even... The the main thing is that this little mark across the street that Raynon says nobody saw um, oh. then got snowed on and snowed on, and then when the spring came and the snow was melting off, there it was again. What was the mark? It was. It said, why so much snow? Is the amount of snow a measure of diversity? Are you talking about diverse weather patterns? We're definitely going to have to fix this in post. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to try again next year? I mean, that's a good idea, but now that it's out and the whole campus knows about it, you know, I might change, morph the idea into something else, maybe. Different word or different color? Definitely color. We will use the best one? Yeah, definitely. Which is? Blue. Uh, no. Now he's playing favorites, Ben. Because <laughs> you have a blue shirt on. Two blue shirts. It's true. It was subliminal. Pink. Have you ever had a colorblind student that, like, didn't know that he or she was colorblind? You know, like, learned in an art class? I've had lots of students who can't see most of them. Wh whether you actually see what's in front of you in the world, yes, most people don't. But not, not like not like optic nerve damage. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, no. Nestor is, was just in Cuba two weeks ago. You went with other faculty? I did. I went with a group of uh, several faculty. And uh, you visited things that you knew? Yeah. So we, we crossed the entire island. Uh, we started in Havana for a few days, and we wound up making kind of a zigzag line up and down the island until we wound up at the eastern almost tip in uh, Santiago de Cuba, and that's where we flew out from. But I personally did. Um, I went to the house where my mother was raised. And I still have family that lives there, and so I knocked on the door and met some cousins I'd never met, and had a. Did they know who you were when you knocked on the door? They did. They'd been warned that I was coming, so it wasn't just a stranger. Did and they it, look like you? Yeah, that's the weird thing too. That uh, yeah, there's a, there's a sense in which 
I was able to, maybe for the second time in my life, look at people and see the way in which my features are part of that particular bloodline. Because in my own family, it's there and it's not. Given language skills and physical appearance and knowledge of Cubans, can you pass as Cuban? Mm -hmm. You even told me about the front door, back door difference. Yeah, Did I, you... I don't know what you mean there's no black market in Cuba. If there had been. If there had been. Would you have been able to, um, would they believe you as a Cuban? No, I don't know. I don't know about that. I certainly didn't believe myself as a Cuban, and I didn't try to pass as one. Right? Can, I, um, can I ask if, if uh, the Cuban black market involves American cigars? There is no black market in okay. Cuba. <laughs> Got it. Um, yes. The answer is yes. American cigars. <laughs> a lot of Cubano sandwiches? No, you know, this was kind of a strange thing about the trip that um, I think we would have loved to have seen uh, more of that kind of, as far as the food went. And this was only a tiny part of the whole deal, but um, a lot of this was planned. And it was, a, you know, a group of people eating at these planned lunches and planned dinners. And these particular restaurants that they kept taking us to again and again served the same exact dishes. I mean, I mean everyone all the way across the island, everything like that serves. I know it's like they're designed for tourists and they don't expect that you're having lunch and dinner at them every day, right? So it's every every time. Do you, would you like the chicken, the roast pork, the shrimp, or the, you know, filet of fish? And one day we, it was weird, we were about to get on this crazy train that takes you, a crazy train that takes you onto <laughs> To Hershey from Havana, and the lunch that day was a bagged lunch, and it was this basically kind of Cuban sandwich, kind of a Cuban sandwich, and yeah. it may have been, you know, aside from the meals I ate with my family when I was meeting them, the best meal of the whole trip. And um, is, you, is yeah. your first time back to Cuba? My or first no, time back? going. Going yeah, to Cuba. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. What did your parents think? That I was uh, gleefully surprised that my, my dad, when I mentioned that this may be happening, was really supportive, and got very curious about whether the trip would allow me to go places that weren't sort of meant to be presented to me. And in fact, there were a lot of places that we went that were, you know, meant to be presented. And the few opportunities that I had to kind of break away from all that and just walk around, you see a different side of what's going on in Havana than the one that you're getting with this tour. Such as? So when you're walking with this tour group through the middle of Havana on an architecture tour. It's not like when you're walking alone along the Malecon and all of these uh, men and women are uh, hitting on you, you know, hey, papi, hey, papi, how you doing, papi? Or, you know, um, my friend, what country, what country? You know, this, it's like you don't, you don't see prostitution happening right in front of you <laughs> when you're with the tour group, right? You don't see uh, some of the you know, some of the, you know, there's just a general sense when a tour group passes through a place that people are aware that that's a tour group. Right. And so there's, like, they have a lot of tourists there, just not American tourists. That's true. Right? Yeah. Like European, and, Canadian? Yeah, and American tourists have been going there for a really long time, just not directly. Oh, okay. Right? So where do they fly out, out of? Maybe they fly from Canada. Maybe they go down to another Caribbean island and take a boat in. But people have been going back to Cuba for a really long time. Did so, you yeah. know, uh, Simon, did you know that Cuba is about the same width as from New York to Chicago. Did you tell me that? Or did I, someone I, else tell me that? I did not tell you that. until I mean, I just did right now. Well, yeah. I thought someone uh, someone else told me that before because I had asked somebody. It must be a standard fact. Maybe it is. Because I had asked somebody, like, oh, did you go, you know, did you go across the whole island? And they had mentioned that it was actually a lot larger than I thought it was. In fact, I had been to Cuba 
when I was five years old. Wow. Because I am Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything looks bigger when you're five. Well, yeah, that's, that's true as well. But um, we went to Havana, played on the beach, and I got... Uh, the only thing, other thing I remember is the orange pineapple ice cream I had. Did you have orange pineapple ice cream? I did not. This is crazy. I went to, um, on that same train that we took to go... The crazy train. To, that's right. I met this man named Antonio who told me that he was born in 1949 in Hershey, Cuba, which is seven years after my dad. And he said that he remembered my dad and my dad's older brothers, but didn't play with them because he was seven years younger than the youngest of them. Sure. And then he started to show me around the town, and I had this map that my father had given me, and there's an X on the map where my father lived, and there's a church my father drew in that was built after the map had been drawn originally, and various other things on the map that my father had marked. Uh, And this guy, Antonio, is showing me around and pointing at things, and they're corresponding to the map perfectly. And uh, then he tells me that he lives a couple of doors down from the house where my father was born. And then he shows me the house where my father was born, and it matches up again with the map. And I'm kind of uh, standing in front of it and taking pictures of the front of the building. And then this guy, Antonio, starts getting in my shot. I'm thinking, come on, what the hell's wrong with you? But he's actually going down to knock on the door. No way. And the guy who opens the door is a guy named Augustine Diaz, who actually played with and knew my dad and his brothers, and knew the two local to the town uh, girls who became women who married my uncles and knew their kids' names, and knew the year that my uncle died in Philadelphia and was buried in Miami, and the year that my grandmother left Hershey to come to Miami and during the boat lift, and the year that she died in Miami several years later. Like, <laughs> this guy had been abreast of the goings-on in the family and other families from the community right through the embargo and the blockade over 50 years of political bullshit between, between these countries, right? This connection just and i'm sitting there just blown away i couldn't even believe what this man was telling me Uh, and then he tells me little inside jokes from when they were kids that he shared with my dad and with his brothers and he let me come in and take pictures of the house where my father was born and that's amazing yeah it was really something else that little piece of take that ancestry.com yeah (laughs) wow yeah wasn't that crazy that's crazy that's a a strange i gotta ask too and and isn't isn't there a relationship between Hershey, like the Hershey? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Same uh, Pennsylvania Hershey and yeah, Cuba Hershey. Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's right. Cuba Hershey uh, is now officially called Camilo Cienfuegos, who was one of the heroes of the Cuban Revolution. But um, Hershey was named by Milton S. Hershey, as I think yeah, who owned that town. It was a company town okay. with a sugar mill, and it was built on a plan that very, very closely resembles Hershey, Pennsylvania. And in fact, is one of the few places on the island where the roofs are pitched uh, because why would you need pitched roofs in Cuba where there's never snow? <laughs> but there they are because it was modeled after Hershey, Pennsylvania, this town of Hershey, Cuba. Wow. You know, it would be, just as a cost-saving measure, we could just take our students to Hershey, PA. Would that be similar? I, you know, I think it probably would. Okay, yeah. well, I'm just... Just yeah. for those people out there. Does Cuban Hershey have the super duper looper? As a matter of fact, it's it's a little run down. Can you say that in Spanish? <laughs> what is a super duper looper on Espanol? No. On Espanol. <laughs> Renan, can you can we dub that in? 
this whole thing is going to be translated. <laughs> That's great. This feels very authentically Welcome Cuban. Welcome back to happening. Language Skills with Simon and yeah. Ben. <laughs> I got a question. Go, 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 Ben. I need to talk about the dog in the fountain. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I want to hear what Nestor's take on this. Yeah. The issue is, we live beside a park that has a fountain. We have a nice porch, and now it's great porch sitting season. Mm-hmm. Given the street in our yard, the, the fountain's 100 yards away. Uh, there's no swimming in the fountain, no dogs allowed in the fountain. Sound carries uphill and, and very well. So our neighbors who are one house downhill, we can hear all their porch conversations. So we assume that our neighbor one up from us can hear all of us talking. But you can also hear everything in the park, which is a point of background note to Mm -hmm. ask how to police dogs in the fountain. So Chris and I were sitting on the porch just the other day, and we started into this discussion, and we were saying how lovely it is. People watching is great. You see people playing in the park. It's wonderful. There's swings. Kids are on the slide. It's very joyous. You can hear them laughing. This was in the morning the other day, and there's nobody out there. And just as we start to talk about this, a guy walks by with his dog, and the dog jumps in the fountain. And we're thinking, not supposed to do that. I wonder, you know, does anybody take care of this? Uh, There's signs up there. Are we supposed to say something? He's far enough away. He didn't see us. You know, it's it's distant enough. Now, are you saying this in your heads, or are you saying this to each other? No, we were actually saying this out. This was the conversation. I'm repeating the conversation. Wouldn't it imply that the person at the fountain actually heard you guys, if you can hear them? No, because we're smart enough to, you know, keep it low. Got it. Put your hand, like, put our hand over our mouth. We're speaking down. So, so even if he could read lips, he wouldn't be able to do it. No, he couldn't do it. Got it. I know that there is, uh, there are like, I don't know if they're called fountain keepers, but there are some people in the neighborhood who seem to take responsibility for managing the fountain, and they'll skim it and and check on it every now and then and make sure it's clean and everything's fine. Just as we were having this conversation, a car on the far side of the park is driving down the street, and quickly stopped and parked, and a guy got out of the car and walked quickly across the park to the guy in the fountain and proceeded to rip that guy a new one very loudly so that we could hear everything, answering our question of how to police this and are there fountain keepers. So this guy comes up and he starts screaming at the guy. He's like, what kind of idiot are you? How stupid are you? Get your damn dog out of the fountain. What makes you think it's okay to have Such your dog language. in the fountain? Such language. So as opposed to us who are trying to keep it low because we are aware of how sound carries, this guy was not at all concerned about how much sound carries. In fact, he wanted his sound to carry quite well, even though the person he was yelling at was only 10 feet in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he was really aggressive. So Chris and I were thinking, that's, you know, maybe too much. It's bad cop, bad cop. <laughs> it was a terrible cop. <laughs> but it got the job done because the guy got his dog out of the fountain and left. And so it was an effective strategy. It's one I could not employ. It was too aggressive. But part of it was thinking afterwards... Wow, that guy was way over the top. That's not how to do it. Except, you know, it's kind of nice to have a guy like that around. I'm glad it's not me. But uh, that was a that was pretty uh, a violent yelling at the the dog guy. He's, I mean, somebody he doesn't know. He just comes over there and starts saying, "How stupid are you?" Like, I don't know if it was a matter of intelligence that he had his dog in there. I think it was more of an apathy thing. But I wasn't in a position to argue with the fountain keeper, and I appreciate his thing. So, your question. I do have a question. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Why? What color was the dog? <laughs> <laughs> that is not the question. Why aren't dogs allowed? My supposition is uh, the, the fluids that pass um, sometimes from dogs to outside of dogs. Yes. In fact, earlier in the podcast, when uh, you made a reference to Renan 
spray painting snow in the winter. I thought okay. that was a loose euphemism. Yes, no. For the color yellow. Right. Also called a euphemism. Yes. <laughs> I, I think you got something. New in the OED, they've just. So I think you don't want animals in there for any sort of hygiene, emissions, any kind of emissions. That would yes. have been better. I should have just said for any kind of emissions. Okay. I think it's something that you just don't want to start doing. So you make mm. a blanket policy. Now, given that, I imagine, envision a spectrum. There's a lot of different ways to handle how do you make sure somebody doesn't have their dog in the fountain. One is that there are signs which already exist that say don't, no dogs allowed, no people, nothing in the fountain. One is way on the other side of that spectrum, which is this dude running across the park and chewing this guy out very loudly, demeaning his intelligence. What, you, Nestor? What, what would you have done? So my first response would be to think, why? Do you have a, Can't there be a dog in the mountain? <laughs> do you have a pet? Right. Um, do, you, do you have a pet, I don't. Nestor? I don't have a pet, and I, and I know plenty of folks. Not even the goldfish? Um, we've had a goldfish, uh, but more the, the goldfish that we've had, which who traveled up and down the East Coast many times on road trips, and I think stayed at your house at least once. Did it take ben, the ocean? Uh, Cohen, um, Did it swim beside you? <laughs> yes, it took the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, no pets now with two children, but no other pets. As an artist, how would you solve it if you had to use artistic skills as a way to deter people or animals from jumping in the fountain. Right. Um, so. Barbed wire. Right. <laughs> sure. Can I, I don't know if you mind, Nestor, but Simon, would you like to take a crack at that as a non-artist? How would you I, use artistic well, means? As, an, as a non-artist, which I, which which, I, which which strikes, I am. Which strikes you am. as a good idea. Um, but as an avid cartoon viewer, I know that what worked a lot for the coyote and Roadrunner was he would paint a picture of something in front of the fountain. So you would just paint the picture in front showing no fountain there. No one sees the fountain. No one puts their pets in it. I worry that they would walk right into the fountain. You know, that did happen now that I think of it. As as Wiley Coyote did. Yeah, he did. But only Coyote. Only the artist would do that. Everyone else would run right through. That's true. It's safe. And you would have to get all your supplies from Acme. Yeah. Which I do. Anyway, yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And it works out. Yeah. But I want my artistic statement to... You're undermine right. the desire not to have dogs in the fountain instead of the putting of dogs in the fountain. So you can, oh, could you develop a sculpture that would guide dogs into it? Yeah, I think that's what if, what maybe if, big signs that say, please put your dog in the fountain would, I, I'm, would be a start. I see a compromise where you can develop a, a sculpture or some installation, which maybe is a dog which fountain. Whole separate side fountain for dogs. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I was going more for like walking on water thing, like some sculpture where it would make them think they were getting in the fountain, but right. they would be just like they would be walking on your sculpture, which was hovering right above the water. Yes, yes with a sheen of water, so they yeah. even get a little wet. Right, right, right. That's beautiful. I think the other question that that you're not considering, Ben, is the recidivism of this. So I know what that means. A, a repeated. It's a repeated offense. It's. Mm. Is, is causing yeah. an offense and then doing it again and again and again. So and you want to reduce recidivism in mm -hmm. the criminal justice system. You're saying that we want to reduce acts of recidiv recidivism on the part of our criminal justice system? Is that what you were just no, saying? No, I don't think I was saying that. That's the whole it sounded like that's this. what you said. Ooh, it just, I'm being, I just wanted to understand. I'm being put into a corner here. I spaced out. I don't know what you're talking about. He said he was speaking of recidivism, and he said it's what we want to reduce in our criminal justice system. And I was asking if what he means is that he wants to reduce repeated 
offenses by our criminal justice system. Well, I, I, I don't see anything political there. Okay, well, I guess, hey, the listeners will determine that. Yeah, is anybody on the line out there? Do we have any callers? In Charlotte. <laughs> we get, is Debbie and Penargel? <laughs> Who was Debbie and Penacho? Who? Oh, she was. She's one of our. She was one of our biggest fans right now. I thought you would know that. She called in a lot earlier on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think she's on vacation for the summer. Probably. Where would you imagine uh, Debbie and Penacho go for vacation? Probably. I, probably. I think Debbie would go to D.C. Yeah, sure. I think Debbie would go to D.C. and take one of the bus tours. Yeah, I think that's exactly think what that's she would Debbie's, do. I think she would stay at her brother-in-law's timeshare. <laughs> And she would take the bus tour to see the Lincoln Memorial, go to the Smithsonian. She might do the Segway tour, too. Would she have lunch off a truck? No. no she would have not. lunch in the museum cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And pay a lot for it. This feels like we could turn this into a John Cougar Mellencamp song. <laughs> there are actually people right now in the uh, Experimental Printmaking Institute, which is a building and they're writing John Cougar Mellencamp's they are making a visual art print of a work by John Cougar Mellencamp no way 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 they are how did that so so tell tell us how that happened because uh, because Professor Curly Holton Mm -hmm. is um, future guest a veritable god in the world of printmaking and art he's incredibly gifted and well connected and and because of that, John Cougar Mellencamp gets bam, printed. Bam, bam, John Cougar Mellencamp, connection, connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jace Clark is a great, incredible master printmaker down there at the EPI. And no, what's the they EPI? Are working, the Experimental Printmaking Institute. Got it. Going back to Deb from Debbie. Does she prefer Deb or Debbie? Debbie. Pen Archel. Pen You never answered, uh, we never resolved the issue of hair salons and barbershops and the propensity for vacation talk. Every yeah. single time, 100% of the time that I get my hair cut, uh, because I have no standards for getting haircuts, I just go to whichever place is open and relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. So I've gone to a lot of different places. No yeah, matter I, I, just, I, I do that too. I just say, I trust you. I yeah. just want to inform the listeners out there that, that in this studio, Ben is the only one wearing a hat right now. <laughs> if that tells you anything. <laughs> go, go, Ben. No matter what time of year it is, no matter what the the barbershop or hair salon is, no matter how many people are in there, every conversation that's happening is about a vacation that somebody just got back from or a vacation somebody's about to go on. I'm okay with knowing that Simon's going to get mad at me because I'm going to use the term small talk. I'm okay that there are typical resting points for small talk in these social situations when you kind of don't know someone. But I don't know why... The haircutting industry has zeroed in on vacation discussion points as the sole point of conversation. Maybe you're biased because it's summer. It happens all the time. I can say in the most recent incident, to prove my point, the uh, I couldn't see the guy who was holding this conversation because he was in a different chair behind me. And he was talking to the, the hairstyle, whoever's cutting his hair, and she was listening very patiently and... She's very jovial, getting along, cutting his hair, and he's going on about how many islands he went to and uh, St. Thomas and all these other places. And she let him go on for a good five, ten minutes and then asked. And then he finally paused to ask her, you know, if you should really go down there. I've got a buddy has got a place. You know, have you ever been there? And after all that, then she says, oh, I just got back from St. Thomas on Saturday. And this was a Monday. So she let him just go on that whole time. <laughs> My understanding of this being... Here's the hairstylist and or the the barber and she's like, 
Well, of course, this is all anybody talks about, so I don't need to butt in to say that I just got back from St. Thomas. In fact, the reason I went to St. Thomas, it was probably paid for by the barbershop because they knew that she was going to need talking points since that's all that people talk about. <laughs> My uh, sister-in-law owns a hair salon okay. in Florida and takes her whole staff on trips to places like St. Thomas and also Las Vegas. That's why we have you in studio. There's a deep connection happening here. I think our hairstylists and travel agents part of the same union. That's interesting. I don't I don't want to get us in trouble because this is we're going pretty deep into this right now. I was also thinking that like people who go to the hair salons where they don't really care who's cutting their hair might also be the kind of people who generally only go to the hair salon when either they're about to report back to work or they're about to go on vacation. Ooh, I thought you were going to say good. people who generally go to hair salons where they don't care who's cutting their hair because they're saving money are saving the money for vacation. Mm, nice. Very good. One of the things that we do on the podcast is that we ask the guest to come up with a question for our next guest. Yeah, this has worked well. Yeah, we don't know who the next guest is going to be at this point, mm -hmm. nor do you. Mm -hmm. But you can ask any question of this unknown guest. What is something you'd, you'd want to know from just a random person? Have you ever heard of Paul F. Tompkins? Okay. I think we can, we can, we can go with that. Mm -hmm. All right. We can go with that. Now, do we have a question that Chris Riddle asked last week for Nestor? Or are we going to have to... Um, no, I think he left us with, what are your, what's the dominant lingering perception your future guest, which is now you, Nestor, has of Top Gun? It works best this way when you haven't thought about it. I say Top... It's like, you know, what's exercise? I say Top Gun. What do you think? What do you think? First impressions. I say Top Gun. You say... Masturbation. Okay. Hey, everybody has a different experience with that movie. I mean, there was that volleyball scene, so we'll just we'll just leave it with that. Well, Simon knows what to what. You follow that line directly. I've actually never seen that movie, except <laughs> except the volleyball scene. Over and over. Yeah. I think we should close up shop. We're, we're out. Good. Yeah. We're good. Headphones off. Headphones off. Ya no sé, no voy para Qué